Well, good evening to everybody. We have 5.30 by the clock that I look at every Sunday morning that I usually ignore. But tonight I'm not going to because I want to honor your time. Tonight's about you. We want to spend the lion's share of our time tonight uh, hearing from you, hearing your questions, hearing your input. Uh, but let's uh, begin, please, with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we've come here tonight, we uh, want to recognize a couple of things. One is this is your church. It doesn't belong to any of us. This is the church that Jesus uh, lived a perfect life for and died a perfect death for. And we rejoice today that he has been resurrected and ascended into heaven where he's seated at your right hand. And as we've been studying about on Sunday morning, we look forward to the day very soon, we believe, when he'll come again for his church. But until then, Lord, we want to be found good and faithful stewards of property that rightly belongs to you. And that's what tonight is about. That's what the vision plan is all about is an attempt to be good and faithful stewards. Help us to do that, Father, in a way that pleases Christ and glorifies your name. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Well, I want to say good evening to all of you. This is a wonderful group. So glad that all of you are here tonight. Uh, this is an important moment in the life of our church um, because tonight you're going to hear about and be able to ask questions about phase one of our vision plan. Just to remind you, the vision plan started really over two years ago when we put together a vision team, which was about 50 members from various areas of the church, all the way from teenagers into the oldest senior adult department. Staff was included on that. And we began to meet quarterly, to pray together, to talk through what we believed were some of the opportunities and obstacles uh, that we saw in the future that we needed to pray through and about. And from those meetings and from several retreat sessions came the six points of the vision plan. And let me remind you what they are. Number one, and overarching all of it, is the commitment to soli deo gloria, which means to the glory of God alone. We have said anything that we do as a congregation, whether it's a new ministry or a new building uh, or adding a new staff member, will be done only if it brings glory to God. That is our aim and ambition as a church family. But under that, there are five other commitments. One is to spiritual development. We want every member of First Baptist Keller to grow to Christian maturity. We want to reach this community with the gospel. That's community number two. We want to continue to plant and help to revitalize sister churches. We are committed to excellence in everything we do because we believe God is worthy of our best efforts. And through all of that, our commitment is to be faithful stewards, not to waste any of God's resources because we believe that one day we will give an account of how we manage the resources that he's entrusted us with. So I want to introduce to you some other members of the panel tonight. Uh, first of all, we have Mr. Jim Flick, who is the chairman of the Long Range Planning Committee and has been for many years. And that committee is uh, really the driving force behind any substantive uh, changes to our facilities or anything like that. And so, Mr. Flick, if you'd come and be seated uh, with me here. And then we have Tony Richmond, who is our family pastor. And uh, Tony um, has been instrumental in putting together our new schedule for the fall, along with Jack Gatewood. Uh, Jack is one of our associate pastors as well, associate pastor to discipleship. And they have been working together on the logistics of all these things you're going to hear tonight. So if you guys would go ahead and, and join me uh, on the podium. We're going to kind of break this into two or three segments. I want to emphasize a couple things to start. Uh, there are really two different things we're dealing with tonight. The first portion that we'll deal with first is phase one. That is what we'll be voting on a week from today. And it's a yes or no vote. Do you approve phase one of the vision, of the, of the vision plan? And uh, then we're going to talk about the schedule changes in the fall. But between there, we'll have opportunities for you to ask questions specifically about phase one. Then you'll have opportunities to ask questions about the schedule change and anything else you want to ask questions about for that matter. So let's start then with Mr. Flick. Would you come and uh, tell us about phase one and then we'll open the floor for questions. Good evening. It's good to see everybody here. I got kind of tickled when I, when I saw the video on there or the, on the screen about text your answers to, uh, to such and such a number. 
And for me, years ago, that was two cans and a string. <laughs> so that'll, that'll give you an idea about how, uh, how far back I go. Anyway, uh, briefly, <clears throat> briefly, my wife and I have been at this church for 40 years, almost 40 years, and we've watched it grow. And uh, what a blessing, to say the least. And I'm blessed to be able to call you my family. And that's, uh, that's cool. That's cool. Probably 20 years ago, <clears throat> we had, uh, had reason, because of the growth of the church, very simply, to put together a long-range plan, or put together a committee that would put together, hopefully, a plan that would give us a sense, as a church, of direction for the years to come. And that really brings us to where we are tonight. The sanctuary that you're sitting in tonight was completed in, you ready, 1985. And it's been here, served us well. I'll never forget the first service that we had in here. Uh, there were about half the people that you see here tonight that were at that service. And we thought, my word, what are we, uh, we going to do to fill the place up? And we thought, have we overbuilt all those kinds of questions that you have? And the answer is, now, three services, obviously, and a whole lot of building in the interim. Praise the Lord. Uh, times are good. We have been blessed enormously by some wonderful staff, uh, not to exclude our present preacher. You know how much I think of him. We won't go there. All right. Anyway, here, Keith mentioned about <clears throat> Two or three years ago, the, the vision plan team became, uh, became a reality, and they came up with a number of recommendations. And if we could see that first slide to discuss, show a little bit about what these were. Team met for a year. Wonderful, wonderful, about 50 folks. Uh, wonderful discussions about things that needed to happen in the church to, to bring it to where we wanted it to be in the years to come. And so we came up initially with the help of an architect down in Houston with this big master plan. The top of it faces north, and that's this direction. All right? That was the big overall plan. To put that together, because of some obvious financial needs that would occur as a result of some, uh, some new structures, we decided that it would be very wise to do it in bite-sized bits. The first bite-sized bit that we'll talk about tonight is phase one. And if we've got that, Rob, can we show what, what those items are? All right, go to the next one. All right, that's part of it. Let me, uh, let me go through this list here. And I'm going to read you the capital improvements that we're talking about. And the, oh, there it is, right there. Good. Those are estimated costs. New carpet in the worship center. New pews, probably in the reverse order, but new pews would necessitate new carpet because of taking the old ones out, putting the new ones in, refitting, all of that sort of thing. New house and stage lighting in the worship center. These lights have been here for 33 years. And just like fixing up the home, uh, it's time to spruce up the place a little bit. New carpet on baptistry chairs, new choir loft, and orchestra tours. Now go to the student area, which is south of us here. Paint the loft. The loft improvements and updates. I'll let Tony touch on those if we have time. Chairs for the loft, sound, stage lighting, projection for the loft, replace house lighting. One of the biggies you'll see here is <clears throat> down near the bottom says south driveway entrance. $620,000, lot, lot of money. But what that is going to do is improve dramatically 
handicap access as well as security for the kids as they enter to the south, to the south, much like we have to the north with covering over there, out of the rain, that type of thing. Big item there. All right, jump above to you upgrade the door access system. That's a set of double doors for access as well as climate control benefits. Improved lighting around the north building, or I'm sorry, around the building in the north parking and west lots. Lots of discussion about that. Handicap access to the north restroom doors, updates in preschool and children's areas, updates in the gym building for one Sunday school. We'll talk a little more about that. New marker boards in the adult area, and then contingency monies for a total of 1.309 million, or 1.3 million dollars. The good part about that process is that we have the funds to do that. And that essentially is a means, after 33 years, to upgrade the facility that we have here. Not real complicated. Much like taking care of your own home, we want to have a great place to welcome new folks and to worship our Lord. All right, enough about that. What else do we need? Well, thank you, Mr. Flick. So you've seen what phase one is, and of course, uh, for most of you, this won't be the first time you've seen this, but uh, we've given you several weeks. I think we first presented this on January the 9th, so you've had a number of weeks to uh, think about it, and so I know you have some good questions. You saw on the screen, Rob, if you can put that number back up. If you're not comfortable coming forward and speaking at one of the mics, you can text your answer, And uh, but we'd love uh, to have you if you're going to ask a question, we're going to ask it into the mic because we are recording tonight because not everyone was able to be here tonight. And so we want to make this available to every church member, whether or not they're here tonight or not. I, I failed to do one thing I intended to do. I mentioned the 50 members of the vision team. We need to recognize them. If you were on the vision team, would you stand and allow us to say thanks for your hard work? We appreciate all those. Who served on the mission team. Now, here is your opportunity to uh, ask questions. And so you'll see there's a standing microphone in these three aisles here. And so if you have a question, we do ask you to come to the microphone, uh, ask your question clearly, and uh, then we're going to pass these handhelds back and forth and attempt to answer. So Carol Pruitt was the first. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, it's, it's not really uh, as much of a question as it's an affirmation of what we're doing tonight. Uh, one thing that Jim said I just want to share with you very briefly. Uh, a number of years ago, my wife and I moved to Austin, Texas, and looked around there for a while for a church. And we, we finally joined a church that was in a building program at the time we joined. And, and one of my mentors there as I became a deacon was a gentleman by the name of Carl Van Ryswick. And one of the things he said as we talked about this building program and what we're doing is it wasn't for us. It was for the people that will come. Jim said this auditorium was half empty that first Sunday. Look at it tonight. Now, this will sound a little morbid, but we look around the room. 10, 15 years. It's not going to be us here tonight. <laughs> Sorry, that's just life. Uh, but it's a great thing. It's a thing we need to do. The young families, the families uh, with kids are, are the future of this church, just like the future of our country. And we need to do everything we can that we have a church here that is open and welcome to families and the youth. And a couple of weeks ago after building the grounds committee, we had the opportunity to look at the youth area up there. So I'm here, sir, for a plea tonight that we I, I think we have a great number there, but I don't think it's enough. <laughs> there are some things that we need to do there. We, and, and also that area can become the overflow. I, that's a great place to have overflow. And if we do it right, we, we fix the acoustics, we fix the air conditioning, uh, and do that right, that's what we need to do. And I don't know, I'll throw a number out, fifty, dollars $100,000 more up there is going to do a great deal to fix that the way we need to do it. So I'm just... Sort of, if you would, pleading that we completely consider not just doing that up there, but doing it right. Thank you, Carolyn, and we agree with that sentiment. Um, 
just a reminder of what Jim said, this 1.3 million number is our best estimate. But as you know, uh, estimates expire and things get more expensive. And so some of those are several months old, but uh, we're gonna do our best to stay within that budget and, and do the work well. So thank you for that. Yes, sir. I was just wondering if uh, you're going to be replacing all of the pews, is there been any look into design for maybe being able to better use the, to add more seating while you add more, put new pews in? Question. Yes, sir, that's a very good question. And uh, I've been a member here for 18 years. That has been a constant question here. Is there anything we could do with this building to add pews? And the answer from every engineer and architect we've talked to is no, because this building was built as a hexagon and these are all load-bearing walls, and to tear out any of the walls would take away from the uh, infrastructure of the church. And so several years ago, we did put a, a row of pews against the wall, and we added, I think, 75 or 80 seats doing that. That's about all we can do. They tell us this building holds 850. It's really more like 800. And the 80% rule is that 80% of whatever your capacity is is all you're going to get. And so that's about 640 and we had nearly 700 in 930 today. So um, we are past that. Um, and so the way we're gonna talk about that in a little bit is, is looking at overflow room uh, beginning in the fall. And that's what Carol was alluding to, but we'll, we'll hold on to that. The short answer is yes, we've looked at that many times and the answer is no, there's not really a good way to do it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you for taking questions, first of all, and for having this meeting. I may have missed the information because my brain is not as young as it used to be, but I've heard you talk about improvements that we might describe as cosmetic. I wondered about the less glamorous sorts of things like wiring and plumbing and so forth. If you could just speak to the status of that and the plans for improving that as necessary. Thank you. I'll take it. Well, I'm not gonna do all the talking here tonight, but uh, BJ is here. BJ is our facilities director and she can jump in anytime she wants. But <laughs> I'll kind of piggyback on what Carol said. This building's like most of us, it's getting older. And this building was put together in about five or six different phases. So the building we're in now was built in 85. The original building, I think, was 1961 or two. And that, of course, has been raised and replaced by a three-story building in 2008. Um, there's a section of this building that was built in the 70s. There's a portion of the gym was built in the 90s. And uh, the far south end of the building was built in 2001. So, you see that it's been put together over time and the older a building gets, the more maintenance it has. And I think that's what you were alluding to. We do have service agreements with uh, an HVAC company. We have service agreements with an overall, um, what's that company called? Facilities company. Facilities company, where they go in and regularly maintain and check all the systems of the church as a preventative measure, because we believe we'll save money long-term using preventative maintenance rather than waiting until something breaks. I'll give you an example of that. Some years ago, we were uh, given the opportunity to replace a lot of our lighting to make them more efficient. And it was a wonderful deal because the company that we used, the way they were paid was based on a percentage of your savings from the previous year's bills. And at the end of a certain period of time, I think it was five years, three years, uh, we got to keep all the savings. And, and uh, that has saved us tens of thousands of dollars through the years. So we're constantly looking at ways to do that. Thank you. Ms. Laura. Okay, I, I kind of have a double question. Okay. Mine is about the pews. Okay. Can you give us any detail? Are they going to be different at the front so that they can be moved out for, you know, bigger orchestras? Yeah. Um, <laughs> other, other events? Um, are they all going to be, are they going to be this type of pew? Yeah. And the second part of it is, is that why we're, I noticed in their new orchestra chairs that kind of surprised me. Is that to go along to cover yeah. so that it looks the same? Yeah. 
Well, it's, it's just, for one, there's just time to replace them because of wear and tear. Of course, as Jim said, these are original pews put in 1985, but for the last 15 years, we've been having three services every Sunday. So they're really 100 years old <laughs> when, when, when it comes to use. And of course, the biggest part of the wear and tear happens at Vacation Bible School. And uh, we always have significant amount of damage because we have a thousand kids here. And hey, praise the Lord for that. We wouldn't have it any other way. But it's, it's just time. Probably some of you right now could rock back and forth and break some of these if you're not careful. Um, but the answer is it will be of a similar style, um, probably a little higher finish than these, a little better quality, although these have lasted a long time. But uh, we looked at the possibility of putting theater seating in here. Uh, but it was just not possible to do that the floor is on an incline. And it had been very difficult to do that uh, without causing infrastructure damage. And so uh, the committee uh, has elected to go with pews. Um, I have seen and met with the pew maker. Uh, they're right here in Texas. Uh, do a wonderful job out of Waco. Um, and, and the choir chairs will be coordinated with the uh, upholstery and the finish on that. I, I can't promise you we're going to have more room for an orchestra, but you're going to be hearing more about orchestra in, in just a few minutes, okay? I think you'll be glad to hear what we have to say. Other questions? Anybody else? Anybody text? Got There's it. one right there. Mr. Rod. Okay, forgive my ignorance on the entire master plan, but a couple of questions. One would be, what happens to phase one when the master plan is complete? And the second question is, how long will it take before we move from phase one to, and I'm assuming it's a new sanctuary in the master plan? Yes, sir. So. Let's let Mr. Flick, who's our chairman of the Long Range Planning Committee, answer that. that. Rod, that's a, that's a great question. In fact, I was just going to touch on that. And <clears throat> one point million, I don't know about y'all, but one point million, one point three million to me is a lot of money. And the question is, why would we spend that kind of money when there are plans in the future to build perhaps a new sanctuary? And it's very simple. This building is not going to go away even if we do build a new sanctuary at some point in the future. So in my mind, it will be money, money well spent in terms of fixing this place up because we use it multiple times every weekend. So I, I hope that answers your, your first question. The second question about a new sanctuary, indeed, we felt in terms of long range that we would be remiss with all the property that we have available to us not to give the church a sense of what we have in mind. When I shared with you here some weeks ago about <clears throat> the overall plan, it's, it's important in my mind that you get a sense of what we are thinking. Uh, long range functions as an arm of, of you all. And we want to try to be, number one, to be transparent and be reflective of what we see in terms of the church. And that's what you see here. There's a big caveat in that, and that is <clears throat> it's about money. To build a new sanctuary at this point in time, we're looking at perhaps, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing here, perhaps $20 million in an area that would go west of us here. A lot of money. My sense was that it would not be wise at this point in time until we had a good, strong financial back, and we've talked about having 50% of funds in hand before we start any building project. That's 10 million bucks. Lots, lots and lots of money. We want to plan in that direction and I want to encourage you to pray about how you would support the vision fund because that's where these funds will come from for the most part. Right? Yeah, yeah let, me, let me speak to that as well. So um, you, you'll see tonight, there, there's about four phases we're looking at. Right now we're just talking about phase one. But the new worship center, if we build one, we've said we'll build for need, not on speculation, 
and two, we would not start construction or take out any loans until we had half of the anticipated cost up front. So those are some strictures we put on ourselves to minimize debt and be good stewards. Um, but the worship centers actually phase three. And so we're thinking that's at least 10 years away. And so we're not in the place of waiting 10 years to do anything in here. So uh, even in 10 years, if we, the Lord blesses us with growth and we do build a worship center, um, we're going to continue to use this building. It'll probably use it in a different capacity. We have several ethnic churches that meet on our campus on Sunday. This would give them a wonderful place to meet. So we're going to continue to worship in here in some capacity. Thank you. Paul Crow. Uh, you guys may be getting to this, and the finance committee probably knows all about this, but for rank and file like myself, I don't. Um, like you said, 1.3 million is a lot of money. Um, how much money are we going to have left? Okay. Because, again, the roofs leak, the ground shifts, you have to have money in reserve. So I'm just curious about yeah. the, the yeah. you know, I'm positive you're fiscally responsible, yes, but sir. I just would like to know. Yeah, that, that's an excellent question, Paul. So one of the questions we ask all the time in our finance committee is, what is wise as far as cash reserves? Because as a church, we're not here to hoard money. We're not here to be a reservoir of money. We want to be a pipeline through which God's resources flow through. But at the same time, we want to use sound business practices. And I apply it the same way, and we try to manage our finances at home. We think it's wise and prudent to have saved up several months of expenses. We never know what's going to happen if we're unable to work or there's a natural disaster of something and there's no way to have income. It's prudent to have cash reserves. So several years ago, we asked that question very specifically. Okay, what is a prudent amount of cash reserves? And prayerfully, the Finance Committee came up with a plan in which we attempt to stay between three months and six months of expected expenses in cash reserves. So our budget, for example, this year is $5.2 million. And so divide that by 12 and you have one month's worth of expenses. And so the window we try to stay in is between three months and six months of reserve. Now we're bumping up five or six months right now. And that's due to the fact that last March the 1st, um, I was able to take the last mortgage payment down to Frost Bank and said, we won't be back for a while. And, uh, and so that freed up about $42,000 a month to that payment. We had also been paying $50,000 out of budget to principal. So $92,000 a month is now free to do ministry with, but also uh, gives us some reserves. And so right now, Paul, we have uh, over $2 million in cash reserves. Um, so f uh, six months would be 2.6. We're, we're right around that. And so uh, that's a great question. Um, we're comfortable in having less than that, meaning it, we, we've got $1 million right at it right now in our vision fund. And if we get to July and we're $100,000 or so short, we're going to go ahead likely and pay that out of reserves so that we don't have to take on any more debt. That is the primary commitment to this phase one is to incur no debt. And so uh, that is, we're going to do these upgrades with cash and anything that comes in above and beyond that will be accrued towards phase two. Mr. Lewis. My question has to do with the pews, and I know it's backing up a little bit, but uh, do you have an avenue for a place to get rid of them at this time, or will the company that's supplying them take yes, a trade-in value? Uh, the company is uh, agreed to take care of the pew removal, which was uh, something very important to us because in most cases, the church would be responsible for storing those, removing those, and you see how many pews we have. So they're going to come in, bring in a crew, take those off. We're certainly going to look for places we can give them away. That's our first choice. Problem is they're so large. Most small churches can't handle that. Uh, they don't need that. Some of them can be cut and recapped. We've talked to them about that. But we don't plan on selling them. We plan on giving them away if any church can use it. BJ, speak to that. The company that's going to come in is uh, going to mainly repurpose them as much as possible and send them to South Texas. South Texas. To churches down there. Yep. Thank you. 
a lot of them lost their pews in the hurricanes and different natural disasters. Yeah, thank you. Good question. Hey, Brother uh, Keith, yes, we have a couple that were texted in. Uh, and one of the things it says, did the vision committee discuss whether to expand the campus here versus whether to plant another church in the area? So you may touch on that part of the vision plan did, as well. Did everybody hear the question? The question is, has there been discussion about planning another church rather than continuing to expand here? And yes, there's been a lot of discussion about that. I want to remind you that one of the, the things that came out of the vision plan was to designate 10% of any monies that come into the vision fund to church planting. Um, so the way that has worked with us uh, is through church revitalization locally. Many of you know that we sent Casey Lewis, one of our staff members, over to ULIS to help revitalize a church there, replant a church. They're doing great. And we are always on the lookout of opportunities to do that, to send core groups from our church out to these struggling churches to try to help get them going and keep them alive. Um, but also we're committed to planting churches and our commitment is to plant churches where there aren't any. Um, rather than just continuing to, there, there are over 400 Southern Baptist churches in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We are looking in pioneer areas. And in fact, I'm going out to Utah uh, next month and we're working on an agreement to create a church planting pipeline from Fort Worth to Utah. There are a total of nine Southern Baptist churches in the Southern Hemisphere of Utah. There are 400 between Dallas and Tarrant County. And so that tells you there's a poor distribution. So yes, we have looked at that. Of course, many churches now are doing satellite campuses. That's never been our MO. When we plant churches, our desire is for them to be autonomous churches as quickly as possible. But certainly that is something we are open to. Ms. Rubidoux. Um, I think going to the two services is a great idea, and for choir people, that's a great idea. I was wondering, when we do our special programs, mm -hmm. we are so squished, and have, mm -hmm. combining three choirs into two yeah. is going to be on a regular basis. Yeah. That is part of the plan to expand yeah. the choir loft? Is well, that in the plan anywhere? I'm going to take that as a sign. It's time to segue into the second half oh, okay. of our conversation. Uh, we'll have more time to ask any question, but I'm going to ask uh, Tony to come, and uh, what she's referring to is our plans to uh, change the schedule beginning in the fall. So, Tony, come and tell us about that. Well, good evening to, to everyone. I know a few of the questions that came through the text messaging system had to do with this uh, idea as well, so hopefully I can address some of those. So you all are aware that our current Sunday school or our current Sunday morning schedule has been this way for a number of years, where we have three services and two Sunday schools, right? So there's eight o'clock worship, 9.30 worship, and 11 o'clock worship. And then we also have Sunday school at the 9.30 hour, as well as the 11 o'clock hour. And certainly with any plan with any schedule there are pros and cons to anything we could throw out there but over the years we began to see some trends within the church family that really caused us to pause and kind of rethink our Sunday morning schedule so uh, for instance some of these things were um, the view of bringing people together instead of dividing them apart. Uh, we are a large church, I know. That's no surprise to you. But one of the things we hear often in the community with visitors is we're a large church, but it kind of seems like a small church. And look, we like that, and we want to continue that. But unfortunately, with the schedule like it is, there are people who are a part of this church. I've been here for 12 years, and I still don't know, folks, because my family goes to one Sunday school in a different worship, and if you're the opposite of us, we may never really cross paths. So in a, really, in a very practical sense, we've kind of had two different communities going on, and that 
regard. Also, um, one of the things that we saw is specifically with families, uh, families with young kids. And so often what would happen is um, a family would begin attending, let's say the 9.30 Sunday school hour. And then as their children got older and got to the point where they were ready to transition into the student ministry, they would then leave the 9.30 Sunday school hour to attend the 11 o'clock Sunday school hour where the student ministry was having um, Sunday school. Now we always had offered two hours identical, but we kind of know that mob mentality, right? Where they kind of just gathered together. So what happened was you would have a family that would have a great community in the 930 hour, a good support system, a lot of good friendships. And then when their child got to that age, they would have to leave that community and try to find a new community in that 11 o'clock Sunday school. And so we had that going on. Some people would fall through the cracks at that point of transition, never really finding that source of community for them. The other option, which was not a good one from our standpoint, is we actually had families choose to worship separate from their children. And of course, you all know we're about family and worshiping together and those things. And the last thing we want to see is families thinking that it's necessary for them to be divided in order to do these things. And so those are the primary concerns that we began to see. So we put our heads together and tried to come up with an answer that would solve some of these issues. And so as we reported a few weeks ago, on Sunday morning, August 18th, we will be launching a new Sunday morning schedule. So you will now, instead of three worship service times, there will be two options for corporate worship. That will be at 8.30 and 11 o'clock. And then everyone will have Sunday school at the same hour at the 9.40 time slot. So it'll be 8.30, corporate worship number one, 9.45, Sunday school, church-wide, and then 11 o'clock, second worship service um, in here. And so like we've uh, mentioned before, we've made arrangements for space. We have talked with the school system. They've made available Keller Middle School to provide additional space if we grow and have a need um, to use that. Uh, but wanna be clear about the schedule change in this regard. Next Sunday, we are not voting on the schedule change. We are voting on what Brother Jim just mentioned with phase one of the Vision Fund. Now, um, we're gonna take questions on the schedule change and hopefully try to answer your questions, but that won't be part of the vote um, for next Sunday. So at this time, I'll turn it over to Brother Jack and he can talk about some of the logistics and plans for getting uh, this plan accomplished on the Sunday school side. Thank you, Brother Tony. As he shared with you, our Unify Sunday will be August the 18th, same as our promotion renewal Sunday. And our schedule will be the first worship at 8.30, followed by Sunday school hour at 9.45, and our second worship will be at 11 o'clock. So every um, family will go to Sunday school at the very same time. Beginning next week in the month of March, we will take a survey of every family in the church and ask you to fill out a card for us and indicate to us which service you think you will be going to come August 18th. And that will be very, very helpful to us as we plan for overflow or what the needs might be, see how the breakdown comes. So when those cards come out, we would ask you to very carefully fill that out and get it into us in the month of March, and that'll be helpful uh, for our future planning. Uh, as far as Sunday school goes, we have 34 adult departments right now, and uh, there are fewer rooms than that we have to use. And so we're gonna have to make some adjustments in adult Sunday school. 
Uh, the children have enough rooms and the youth have enough rooms and the preschool have enough rooms, but the adults do not have enough rooms. And it's right that adults should make the adjustments as we are the leaders of the church. So we'll get the opportunity to make some adjustments and some changes. Um, it'll be a good thing. Uh, I've, as I've talked with our 79 adult directors and teachers over the last few months about this, they've been 100% supportive of this and very flexible. Most of them are willing to do whatever needs to be done uh, to make this, this uh, new, new plan work. And so I'm very excited about that. It's indicative to me that God is obviously in the plans. Um, we've, we've been doing the same thing for 17 and a half years, and I'm excited to see the Sensuals back, go back to one. We were out to lunch today with three couples who have been in this church for over 20 years, and they were recounting how many different classes they've been under, how many different teachers, and how many different rooms, and how many different splits and changes and all of this uh, because we kept running out of room and we kept growing. And so God has blessed us. But we have the opportunity to come back together. And uh, there'll be a new energy, I think, as you walk the halls at Sunday school to and from the service. You'll see people that you haven't seen in years who've been here all along, but because they've been at a different hour. So I'm very excited to see that happen. Now, two truths have emerged as we've sought where to put everybody. One is this. Because of the unknown amount of time that we will be in this, in this phase before we see phase two completed, and that depends on how we give and how the Lord... Uh, opens that up. We do not want to take anybody down across the street to schools for Sunday school. So we made a commitment that we're not going to make any of the adult departments go down the street and go across the street uh, for class because we don't know how long we'd leave you down there. And so if we left you down there for too long, we're not sure what would happen. So we're not going to do that. Um, we're going to keep everybody on campus. Um, and if God blesses us with growth, which we will continue to work hard for, then we, we have opened with the school the possibility of, of renting some rooms there. It's at a pretty good cost, but uh, it, we're going we're gonna to work toward growth, and that exists there for us to do. But we're looking at every nook and cranny to put our adult departments in. Um, the second thing that, that uh, has become clear is that because we're, we're committed to staying here, some of the departments will need to be combined. But the goal will be to combine as few as possible. The reason is each of the 34 adult departments have their own personality. They have their own teacher. They have their own director. They have their own ministry. They have their own flock. Some of them would profit to be with other groups, and we're going to do that in some cases. But our goal will be to do it as few places and as few times as we need to so that we can fit everybody here. So even though there are some small classes, they're not necessarily the best classes to combine because we have some small rooms. And small classes fit in small rooms really nice. And if we take all of our small classes and put them in other rooms so they're in bigger departments, then we'll have unused smaller rooms. And nothing is gained by that. So. Uh, we are not combining and getting rid of all of our small departments. We're looking for every class to find a room, and in a few cases, we'll combine those. That'll be shared with our department directors next Sunday morning when we have our, our monthly department directors meeting, and then they'll be sharing with you after that who will be combined and uh, what your new name is. You all get a new name. You'll have to learn that and all those good things. Then we'll share with you the rooms uh, we're committed to by the first uh, Sunday in May to have a room assigned to everybody. We have almost everybody assigned a room, but every, every plan I have has a couple of departments wandering out there, and I'm not sure where they're going to go. So we've looked at a lot of different plans, and uh, we're going to get that nailed down. But uh, the other guys on staff are working with me and, and, and coming up with different possibilities where we can put people up in the hallways and the third floor and various places anyway. So we'll come up with that. We'll keep everybody on campus. We'll combine as few departments as possible, and we'll share with you next week which departments will be combined and where we go on from there. And then room changes will come about uh, in May. We're going to give ourselves a little bit of time to be sure that we've exhausted all the possibilities there. So there'll be an adjustment. We're excited to see how God works in this and looking forward to it. Uh, there's a lot to consider, and I appreciate your prayers for us as we try to work through all of these details. Brother Keith. Well, I appreciate all of our staff. This literally has been years in the making. We talk about it all the time, our staff retreats every year. But this year we said we've got to do something. And this was the plan uh, that emerged, and I believe it's the right one. And appreciate all of your understanding to that. We are working very hard to keep everyone on campus. And that will mean, we have said, opening up the, the offices, the conference rooms. Any room that is available is fair game for a Sunday school class uh, until we can get to phase two. And we haven't said much about phase two, but phase two is uh, a standalone building, which will, Laura, house orchestra and choir practice rooms. There she is. 
Uh, we had over 600 individuals who were in our music program last month. And what came out of the Vision Fund is that if, if we have a program that's essential and a huge part of our church, the spending and the facilities should reflect that. And I think what you were getting at right now, it doesn't, right? And you said it graciously, and I think Anita, you were alluding to the same thing. When we combine the two services, rather than having three separate choirs, now you have two, and it's likely a good portion we'll see in both. We simply don't have enough room to put everyone up here. So that's why we pay Matt to, 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 uh, <laughs> to be creative. We are going to get creative. Uh, and you've seen in our Christmas and Easter programs, there's people literally hanging on by their toenails up here. But that's a great problem to have. We, you know, and we have put people in the balconies. We'll, we'll be creative that if anyone wants to serve in the music ministry, we're going to have a place for them. Okay? Does that answer your question? All right. Now, other questions concerning the schedule change. Yes, sir. I really appreciate the fact that you're concerned about where you're going to put all of us. One of the questions I think some of us may have is, where are you going to put all of our cars now that we're meeting in a smaller area? Yeah, uh, his question is, what about parking? And, uh, of course, that is driven by need, but it's also driven by city ordinance. And uh, being in the city of Keller, we are required to have a concrete parking place for every three seats in the largest building. So. Uh, they say this is our largest building, seats 850 people, so uh, right at 300 spaces is what are required. Now, we have that, but that's not nearly enough, as you know. We borrow and have for years the middle school and the alternative school parking lot. We use all of that, and many of you, quite frankly, park illegally every Sunday up and down the streets. Um, now, the truth is there are some empty, very nice parking places down in the far corner, but most of you don't want to walk that far. So uh, we park 100, 150 cars when it's dry enough on the grass. The, the easy answer is yes. Uh, Rob, I don't know if you can go back to that phase uh, two. That does include a, a pretty large addition to our parking lot, both to the west of us but also to the north of us. But again, that was very expensive, and it, it's, we're going to have to raise the money to do that. Good question, though. Especially with having everybody on campus at the same time. That, that, that I'm sure is your real question, because what happens is people that come early leave, and someone else who comes late takes their place. Now they're going to be on campus at the same time. So uh, yes, we are very aware of that and working towards that. Thank you. Yes, sir, John. Good evening, Pastor. My name is John Pickett. I'm a proud member of C26, as well as also a, a member of the uh, Veterans Ministry team. Uh, my wife, Kari, and I, and my two daughters, Sarah and Anna, also serve as the, uh, with the pre-K, uh, the children's ministry, at the uh, 9 o'clock uh, time slot uh, there, and enjoy that very much. Uh, I understand that the change in the schedule should help the church to consolidate and focus its efforts. In most cases, obviously, it helps consolidate a lot of things. However, in the case of the, uh, the pre-K, uh, the preschool section of the children's ministry, the requirement for teachers may actually increase right. due to the need for teachers during all three time periods. Right now, the 8 o'clock is just a very minimal thing. Then we have the 9.30 followed by the 11. Uh, but this would actually increase the load Sir. on uh, pre, uh, the preschool uh, teacher requirement. What are some of the ideas to bolster the number of teachers for the pre-K uh, ministry depending on the results of the survey and before I let you answer that question uh, my other thought would be I, I hope we do uh, we can find a system where the uh, preschool children can have a common experience uh, whether it be lesson kids pray some of the singing where it can be consistent uh, regardless of what time slot they uh, they choose so. thank you that's a very astute question and John has has figured out something that it took me a while to get my head around is that it will actually this new schedule increase in certain areas, the number of, of, of needs that we have because uh, right now we primarily just have the Sunday school at the two hours, uh, but now giving Sunday school in the middle hour, you're going to have a need for childcare in all three. And so that's why we pay Tony. And so I'm going to allow uh, and, and ask our family pastor to address. And my family issues. is very appreciative. So thank you. No, John, thanks for that question. I want to say thank you to you and your wife for your service to our preschool. You all know that we take very seriously 
what goes on in our preschool classes. This is not goof around for an hour. This is not watch the kids and make sure they don't hurt each other. This is teach even the youngest babies the truth of God's word. And that's what we want to continue because that's who we are. And so, yes, there will be an additional need. But here's the great part. We're not talking about more kids. Now, if the Lord sends more children, awesome. Bring them on. I'll get up here on Sunday morning and tell you guys we need more workers. And the great thing is you all have always stepped up to the plate in that regard. But instead of talking about more children, we're just talking about changing the distribution of the children so that the children will either be here for that 8.30, 9.45 hour or the 9.45, 11 o'clock hour, but not all three hours. And so that's why this um, survey that we're going to be asking our families to complete next month is going to be very crucial to us planning because on there, we're going to ask you to write your name and then if you show up at the wrong service, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, write your name because we know the families that have preschool children and then we can kind of predict, okay, we're going to need five classes at the 8.30 hour, and we can bump down a class at the 11 o'clock hour. So we're talking about a little bit of a redistribution and those kinds of things. So hopefully that helps answer your question, John. Um, we got another question come through on the text um, asking about if we get the survey back and the distribution is not equal Will we make a plea or ask people to consider changing what they put on the survey? And the answer to that is absolutely. <laughs> um, if Now, we're not going to force anybody to, to do anything, right? But if we get that survey back and it's really weighted to one side, then, yeah, we're going to ask some of you that put that hour to consider going to the other hour if you were just picking willy-nilly and really didn't have a good reason to choose between the two. So the answer to that is yes, we would ask you to switch if that comes back yeah. lopsided one and, way or another. And you know, I think if we were able to, to line up every member of our church and go one, two, one, two, and say you go to one, you go to two, we could squeeze everyone in into both services and not need an overflow, but you know human nature is not like that. We don't know which hour is going to be weighted towards. That's why the survey is so important. And even after that, just in reality, observing a few weeks, we'll get an idea. So we're going to be prepared on August the 18th with an overflow room. Now, what that's going to look like, exactly where that's going to be, we're still working on. But there will be an overflow room available in both hours. And the way that's going to have to work is rather than asking visitors who come in late to go to the, that room, we're going to ask our people, our committed members, to get on a regular rotation schedule with your Sunday school departments. That way we have a critical mass of people in the overflow that will leave room for visitors here in the main room. But we have, as Jack said, how many adult departments? So it's likely that once a quarter would be enough for your department as a ministry. We do that at Easter in the gymnasium. We ask our people as a ministry to give up their seat on Easter so that visitors can be in this room, and that would just be on a quarterly basis then. Dr. Ledbetter. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, that question um, is along the lines of what I wanted to ask about as well, is you know just thinking about human nature and having some kids that are on the verge of adolescence, I know uh, what preferences are for sleeping in. I know what my own preferences are for sleeping in, if I'm honest with you. And uh, 11 o'clock, I'm, I'm guessing, I could be wrong, I'm glad that there's yeah. some data driving this, but my guess is that 11 would probably emerge as the more That's our guess too. popular yeah. uh, popular service. Yeah. So, you know, I guess given that, you know, it's, it's helpful to kind of hear what some thoughts and plans are about yeah. that. Uh, I guess the question for me is, in part, if, um, you know, we're doing this 
rearranging the schedule, rearranging the life groups in order to, to solve some of these issues, but we end up back where we are now. Yeah. We have one service that's so big we need to overflow. Yeah. Why, why not just do 930 as overflow now? And Yeah, you know, yeah that, that's a good question. I, I think um, Tony addressed some of those issues. It's an attempt not just to redistribute. That's part of it. But it's also an attempt to help build unity where we have lost some of that with, with the present schedule. So, and Dr. Ledbetter, to your question, none of us know how it's going to work, okay? It may be a disaster. If it is, uh, we're gonna come back and apologize and say we're going back to the old schedule. Uh, I pray that then, I don't think that will happen. Here's what I've said all along. I think it will create some problems that don't exist now, but I think it will correct some problems that do exist now, and the correction will be greater than the creation, if that makes any sense. No, and I'm glad the Lord knows so, better than us uh, what it is. We're going to try it. Um, I think uh, it's, it's good to try something new every now and then. Um, but if it doesn't work, we'll, we'll say so. Okay. F final yeah. thought, and then I'll step away from the mic, is yeah. you know, looking at the vision plan with that and thinking about how we're effectively reducing the amount of sanctuary space for potentially 10 years until that phase yeah. three. I, I kind of wonder, yeah. can phase three wait that long if yeah. the pressing need is the amount of space well, in the sanctuary? Sometimes it's not bad to be a little crowded because it uh, helps us to see the need. And uh, if you come to the eight o'clock service or the 11 o'clock service, you probably say, what crowding, right? But if you come to the 930 service, you're saying, amen, boy, we need a new worship center <laughs> because we bring in chairs. And there are many Sundays where people, visitors come in and turn around and go home because they simply don't have a place to sit down um, because everyone wants to come, especially our young families, to the 11 o'clock Sunday school hour, which means the 930 worship hour, and it's, it's very poor distribution. Carol. Uh, Pastor, just a question. It's sort of a suggestion at the same time. Before we move people over to the school, have we considered that some of our older space is not configured as it should, as it would be as we built a new facility that could be better utilized if we looked at, had Berriman, the architects yeah. that have done this wonderful planning for us, look at that and how we can better utilize our existing facility. Let me give you an example. B15 meets in a room that has uh, one, two, three, four, at least four small rooms off of it. Three of them are locked up. I have no idea what's in there. Uh, four of them maybe, and three of them have been locked up for 15 years. Uh, I know they're used. I, I say that kiddingly because I know that storage is a problem. And, and, and I, I get that. However, if, if that room were opened up and reconfigured and had a divider panel, the, class, the departments that in there could, could not only meet there but have both Sunday school classes there, thus freeing up that other room that one class has to travel down to uh, for Sunday school. Jack, you want to reach? Yeah, we, we definitely have looked at that, and we're considering that. Uh, BJ and I have talked a long time about some rooms that could give up, up some space. What's difficult is you must have storage, and nobody wants to plan for it. So we have some storage spaces that are best left to be storage, but there are some places we're looking at down the road to, to make some adjustments. Uh, that is not in phase one but it might be something down the road. We've, we, BBJ and I have been talking about this for years. There's some places that we could more efficiently use our space, but there's some cost involved in that. So um, it's being considered, because you're, you're right, Carol, uh, it would allow us some bigger rooms at, at a fairly minimal cost. So that's been looked at, and we're definitely considering that. There's a number of places up on the second floor especially. Yeah, let me just remind all, we're talking about Sunday school right now, but Sunday school is only a small portion of how those rooms are used during the week. Jack gave me this week a list of how every room is used. It, it's amazing. If you go by one of your Sunday school room, just notice on the door how many times during the, year, the week that room is used. We have adult um, women's and men's Bible studies through the week. We have Bible study fellowship here on Monday night. We have uh, English as a second language classes in some of those rooms. We have um, our music academy in those rooms. So uh, our commitment is this is a seven-day-a-week facility. We don't just have Sunday school for an hour and lock it back up. These rooms are used all the time. And our commitment moving forward, if we build more space, it's going to be the same way. All of our rooms are multi-purpose. Nothing's sacred, okay? Good questions. Tom. Brother Keith, we had a question come through. Just for the sake of clarity about preschool, 
and children. Some of you don't have children that age, so you're not aware of maybe how it works. We allow children birth through pre-K to effectively attend Sunday school for two hours. So while their parents are in Sunday school and while their parents are in worship, those children are cared for and taught the Bible and encouraged down in our preschool area. Starting at kindergarten, uh, children attend worship with their family and would attend Sunday school the same hour that their parents are attending Sunday school. So preschoolers go for two hours and starting at kindergarten on up, attend Sunday school for one hour. So that's why we were talking about this creating additional workers during that first hour to accommodate those preschoolers who are down there for two hours. Okay, so it's 6.30 now, and I know some of you have children to pick up. We've committed at 6.45, we're saying amen, okay? So if you have questions that we don't get to tonight, we're gonna to be around afterward. You can call the church office with your questions, but we still have a few more minutes. Anyone else have a question they wanna ask? Making the assumption that phase one is approved by the church, yes, sir. what is the time frame to start and the completion for that phase? Yeah. Question is, what is the time frame for phase one, assuming you all approve that next Sunday? Um, the start time, um, basically, there's an eight or nine week window in the summer. We have projects we do every summer. Uh, our biggest outreach event of the year is always Vacation Bible School. We have about 1,000 people in the building all week. Um, that is the first week of June. And then after that, we are basically saying that is your window beginning that day going to August 18th. We're coordinating all of our contractors to get all of these projects finished in that summer period so that on August 18th, it's all done, ready to start our new schedule in the fall. And Brother Keith, you may speak to when the work's being done here, we will be displaced from this yes. worship center. So um, some of you will remember that when we added on the three-story building 10 years ago, um, that caused us to be out of this building for months. And we worshiped in the gymnasium, uh, which was not a great setup. It was, uh, we were glad to have it, but it was not designed for corporate worship. Acoustics are not great. Seating was not very comfortable. And honestly, uh, that hurt us in our attendance uh, some during that time. Um, but we have uh, gotten um, assurances I will say from our contractors that uh, they can do the work and we would only dis be displaced for three Sundays, I believe is what they're saying. Now they've told us two, but we're saying three because you know how that goes. But uh, uh, we, we believe that we'll only be out of the worship center for about three Sundays during that work period. Others? Yes, sir, Lou. Pastor, when they're uh renovating the whole front or the south yes, section. Uh, is that include the sidewalks that are in between the two parking lots where the flag, I'll call it where the flags are put on, mm -hmm. a, on those uh, respective Sundays. Does that include improving that so there are ramps yeah. to get up there from the so parking lots? That, that, right now, of course, we just have sort of a working model. It may subject to change, of course, and has to be approved by the city. Um, but right now it's just a circle drive, similar to we have here, on a gentle slope that would remove those three steps there, mm -hmm. which are a terrible tripping hazard. We have people trip there almost every Sunday. Remove those steps and make it just a gentle sloping walk that is wheelchair accessible right up to the front door of the church. And so it will change the look up there considerably, but it will not take out our um, bell tower and, and we'll still have that. It'll just basically be a, a circle drive there with a cover over it. Others? Other questions? Let, let me make sure. just one, mm -hmm. one final comment from, uh, from my perspective. What you see in, in, the, in the long range plan, the phased plan, is going to require funding and we have a vehicle in place in the Vision Fund to do that, I would encourage you to 
to support that. What we've heard tonight, and is obviously uh, on everyone's mind, is crowding. And it's a reality, and praise the Lord for that, if we can reach more people. But in order to, to do that and to accomplish what we see here in those phases, it's going to require that financial support from you to the Vision Fund. If you're not supporting that, I would encourage you to do that kindly, and I'll stop there. And, and he's right. That Vision uh, Fund was the brainchild of the Vision Committee. And its design, once we became debt-free last March, was to replace the building fund and any other capital campaigns. Uh, we don't have any plans of hiring an outside firm to strong arm you to give. We're going to make the need known as we're doing tonight. And when you see the need, pray about what your part would be. When we have 50% of it up front, at least, then we'll talk about starting that project, but not until then. And that's the way we plan on proceed, not only on phase one, but throughout. And let me just reiterate what, what Tony said. What we'll be voting on next Sunday morning is yes or no, do you approve the phase one? Rob, will you put the phase one back up there, please, the $1.3 million with the projects? And so uh, these are the projects that are included in that. The 1.3 is just all of those combined. And so what you'll have next week is a ballot that says, do you approve phase one, 1.3? Yes. Do you not? No. And that will be the vote on that. If you approve of that, we'll proceed uh, to the next step, which will be permitting with the city of Keller. And so that's the next phase. Okay? But it is time sensitive, and that's why we're going to head and vote next Sunday morning. Any final questions on anything you've heard tonight before we go? Ms. Fowle. Is that list on the website? It's not, but Rob, can we put that on the website? He's saying yes, Val. Thank you. Others? Anybody? Well, thank you so much for coming tonight. One of the things I love about this church is how you conduct the Lord's business in a way that glorifies Him. So thank you for coming. Again, we're going to stay around for a few minutes up front. If you have questions, just come up and ask us. Or through the week, call us, drop by the office. We want to do everything with uh, transparency and clarity. Um, and uh, come next Sunday morning ready to vote on phase one. Now let's close uh, with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for our time together tonight. Lord, I thank you for the many dozens of men and women who served on the vision team and all the input that we heard from so many hundreds of people and Father, uh, what you've uh, heard from us tonight is what we believe to be the best plan of action. But Lord, I, I reminded tonight we're human. Sometimes we get it wrong. So if we do, we pray we'd be um, humble enough to admit that. But Lord, uh, to the best of our knowledge and ability, we believe this is your will. And so Father, as we move forward, we pray you'd uh, open doors that need to be open and close those that need to be closed. And we pray, Father, that you would uh, indeed bless your people here with the resources uh, to meet the needs of these vision plans. And so, Father, we do this all uh, in the name of Soli Deo Gloria, because we want it to glorify you. And we pray that would be the case in every regard. Pray now you dismiss us with your grace. Pray you continue to maintain and preserve the unity of this church. Pray that you'd give us wisdom as we seek to help fulfill the Great Commission in our little corner of the world. And pray, Father, now that you give us rest as we go home. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you. We'll see you Sunday, Lord willing.